0: Jesse, what the fuck did you do? I broke it. You did break it. Explain yourself.
1: The um, Here's the thing. Whoever runs our social media account, and there's no way to know who that is, so there's no way to know who to blame, uh-huh. Had was uh-huh. perhaps eight months late in updating the website to reflect the fact that we're on Substack. Could have happened to anybody. I was poking around in there last night, updating our Twitter account. I decided, wouldn't it be cute if we listed as our birthday? The day our podcast launched, which I believe is, Katie, let's say at the same time, one, two, three, March, tw- you have no idea. No idea.
0: When the podcast <laughs> launched.
1: I think it was March 24th, 2020. So uh, I think it'd be cute. People will see the, the 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 date of our podcast birthday. They can wish us happy birthday, send us gifts, maybe send us like cars. Adorable. It'll be cool. Uh, I immediately, as soon as I enter March 24th, 2020, Twitter locks me out because <laughs> the account is now underage. <laughs>
0: because they think a toddler has been running our Twitter account.
1: They think a very sophisticated two-year-old has figured out how to create a Twitter account and enter his or her own birthday. Uh, I'm quickly informed I will have to send a copy of my license to unlock the Twitter account, which I do. I black out my license number and I just leave the birthday. They tell me that's not enough. Twitter needs a full copy of my license with all the info, can't even black out my address, which is crazy. But I send that to them and they um, they unlock our account. Our account is now safe. But it was a very harrowing moment. And uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I did.
0: Okay, two things. One, how do they know that you are the owner
1: of the accounts? They, uh, I don't think they do. I mean, I could have, I probably could have sent a photo of like anyone's license. So yeah,
0: they just need a license. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, they might not – their guardrails might be a little flawed. Uh, two, thanks, Elon. Thanks, Elon. Thanks for
1: ruining everything.
0: No, he took care of it. You ruined
1: it. He oh, took care of it. Oh, sorry. I did tweet at Elon and then you tweeted at a number of <laughs> senators. <laughs> who, who did you include? Joe Biden, like most of the, Joe Nancy Biden. Pelosi, <laughs> Chuck
0: Schumer, Joe Rogan.
1: I bet Pelosi and Rogan worked together to take care of this. Well,
0: look, we're back on Twitter, so I would say that they did.
1: Katie, what is the name of this- Barely Legal? <laughs> this Barely Legal podcast. This is Blackson Reported, and I'm Kate Hersung. And I'm Jesse Single. And today, we are revealing the results of a undercover investigation.
0: It is true. We are. We have an exclusive- Exclusive. We have a with the furry- who hoaxed libs of TikTok. We will explain all of that later. One programming note before we get started, you may be hearing this early. We decided to release this podcast a couple days early because we are breaking some news, kind of.
1: Yes, sort of, you'll see. But first, Katie, let's talk a little bit more about Chris Rufo.
0: We definitely have not talked enough about Chris Rufo, so I'm looking
1: forward to this. Well, yeah, this thing that just happened like really sort of... Triggered me for lack of a better word. Um, on April twenty fourth, the New York Times published a profile of Chris Rufo, who I don't think needs any introduction to uh, for anyone who listens to this podcast. Um, Trip Gabriel, national correspondent. It's like a, a nice little profile explaining Chris Rufo and his movement and the success he's had raising parental alarms over CRT and diversity trainings and gender stuff in Florida. So. There's a photo of Rufo. Gabriel provides a lot of like quotes from Rufo, explaining his own ideas in his own words. Gabriel definitely doesn't soft-pedal some of the bad stuff Rufo's done. He, he notes that Rufo, quote, shared mugshots on Twitter of Disney workers who had been charged in child sexual abuse cases over the years, based in part on CNN reporting from 2014. He failed to note, in an article he wrote about the arrest for City Journal, a publication of the Manhattan Institute, that none of the cases in the CNN report involved children at Disney's parks, nor did he include Disney's response to CNN that the arrests were, quote, one one hundredth of one percent of the 300,000 people we have employed during this time period, uh, end quote, end quote. So basically, Disney pointed out, I think, accurately, like you're cherry picking from our huge company, uh, a few people arrested for stuff who didn't even work at the parks, parks. And he's trying to sort of raise a groomer discourse about the left. So. um Trip Gabriel also quotes other people criticizing Rufo's work. Fair criticisms, in my view. Like, it was a profile of Rufo, but it wasn't sort of – it just – it wasn't pro-Rufo. Anyway, this launched, like, a weird shitstorm on Twitter. Uh, I think it started mostly with a guy named David Kiesau, who is a journalist who holds the Chair in journalism at Michigan State University. Let me just read some of the sweetstorm and then get your sort of hot take response to it, Okay. Okay. The NYT is our most important newsroom, and it is also broken. Then he screenshots this photo of Rufo uh, for the story, which is just Rufo in front of like a Pacific Northwest looking pond. This is not neutral or objective. It is amplification and normalization. What do you, what do you think of the idea that a profile of Chris Rufo amplifies and normalizes him
0: i think this is ridiculous for one chris ruffo doesn't actually need the new york times to amplify his profile his profile is big among a group of people who primarily or his acolytes are not new york times readers this is not going to win him new fans especially because as you as you said the article itself is is critical this idea that reporting on somebody, profiling somebody is like platforming them or something. Where did this come from? And why do people so like dumb. and why do people in positions of power in journalism believe this? And we've had the like this conversation has been ongoing for fucking years. Every time somebody profiles a Trump supporter, you're platforming them. You're platforming fascist or whatever. People need to actually know what's going on here. And I had some criticisms of the piece, but I do think it was a fair portrayal of Rufo.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm i working on a longer piece for my newsletter. I'm going to release it to everyone about this very dumb, I think mostly Trump era idea that you cannot write about people who have bad views without platforming or validating them. But but what jumped out at me about the tweet storm is, um, let me just read a little more of it. And I'll, I'll tell you what jumps out. The problem is, you can reveal, without featuring anodyne portraits, these large photos are called hero shots by web designers, and using the language of struggle, innovation, entrepreneurship, hero language, on the path to pointing out the subject's hard beliefs. The path to not amplifying hate is to lead with a portrait of the director of a local anti-hate group and have them describe the issue. And then dig into the details of the people pushing anti-civil rights legislation. That is why we, no. we teach framing in journalism school. Right. No, that's a different piece. It's a, yeah. It's so – this is a guy who who is a chair at a journalism school who teaches people how to do journalism. He's saying you need to start the piece with the activist who hates Rufo. That's not how anything works. And there's a level of paranoia here where um, – the argument I'm going to make in my piece is that at root, this shows deep contempt for readers. The idea that because Mm -hmm. readers see a photo of Chris Rufo that doesn't have like a swastika scrawled over it, they're like, ooh, Rufo's a good guy. That's not how anything works.
0: No, I don't think New York Times readers or any readers need their hands held about this kind of thing. There is an art to letting a subject sort of lay themselves out. Olivia Nuzzi is – sort of a master at this. Did you read her profile of uh, Nicholas Kristof the other day? And um I did not. It's so good. Let me just read you part of it. And this she just she quotes him in a way that he just says everything himself and she doesn't have to point out like how idiotic this is. So, Nicholas Kristof, New York Times former New York Times columnist, ran for governor of Oregon, the state, I believe it was the state supreme court um, or some some lawmaking body body ruled that he wasn't eligible to run for governor because it hasn't lived in Oregon for long enough. His family owns a like cidery or a winery in the Yakima Valley, Oregon wine country. He's talked a lot about the problems of alcoholism and addiction, and that's something he wanted to tackle as governor. He also owns this alcohol company. So she asks him, basically, do you think that there's a conflict here, lowering rates of alcoholism within Oregon and also selling alcohol? And then she he answers and he says... You know, I've lost friends to alcoholism, and I haven't lost any to Pinot Noir alcoholism, he said.
1: that's not a good look.
0: Yeah. She gives him totally enough rope to hang himself. And then later in the piece, let me just read you a sentence. Even on the farm, Kristoff was intervening to help creatures less capable. Quote, I'm helping the hawks with the voles, he said. He had snipped the grass into a crew cut to give the hawks a a better chance of spotting their prey. There was something in it for Kristoff, too. The voles posed a threat to the vineyard.
1: Yeah, it's really well done.
0: She's very, very good at this. I don't think Trip Gabriel did – like, I don't think he gave Rufo enough rope to hang himself. But also, Rufo is a different character. He's sly, and he is also – yeah incredibly open about what his goals are. He wants
1: He said so publicly.
0: Yes, he says so. Uh, we're going to redefine CRT. We're going to freeze the brand. He this is basically I think I think there's two things going on going on with Krufell. One, school choice. He this is all about school choice. This is not about improving public schools. This whole mission CRT, the grooming shit, this
1: is all about He wants people not to trust public schools as in He
0: wants yeah. yes, he yes, basically. And also, I think that he is a very ambitious person, and he wants to be in politics. He ran for Seattle City Council briefly, uh, was not a successful campaign. He dropped out after he said that people were sending him death threats. I reported on this for The Stranger. I saw the quote-unquote death threats. Jesse, would you say that... Actually, I think he called them like sexually violent threats. Jesse... If somebody tells you to get bent, would you consider that a sexually violent
1: threat? <laughs> I forgot. I think you mentioned this before. Wait, he called that when you asked him for evidence of sexually violent threats, that was all that was really all he had? It was shit like that, yeah. Get bent? Get bent, yeah. No. I wish people would I wish people would tell me to get bent. <laughs>
0: yeah, I tell you to go fuck yourself. That's sexually violent.
1: Yeah. No, I don't think that. So
0: yes. Yeah, so I don't trust Rufo. I think he has grand political ambitions. I do appreciate that he is actually fairly transparent. He will tell you what he is going to do and then he will go and do it.
1: Yeah. The other difference between the Nuzzy thing and um the Rufo article is uh it's just shorter. News article a newspaper article is shorter. You're not mm-hmm. going to go into as much depth. You're not going to have time to like set the scene the way a good magazine article can. But um Let me read you one more quote from the response, because what this guy Kisau said, it's like a widely held belief. Soledad O'Brien retweeted it approvingly. Will Bunch, a columnist at the uh, Philadelphia newspaper, directly compared the Times piece to softball coverage of Hitler. What? (laughs) Dan Dan Frumpkin, formerly of the Washington Post and now the author of a site called Press Watchers and a very crazy person to follow online, said this. This affectless article elevates and validates a sick, racist, homophobic son of a bitch without answering the only questions worth asking. Chief among them, what made him that way? But again, that's- who- like- Maybe there's an interesting article about what made Chris Rufo have this ideology, but that's not what the piece was. I, I actually don't think that's probably that interesting.
0: I'm, I am curious about this turn of his politics. When I met him when he was running for city council, like he was a Gary Johnson voter. Uh, he was a libertarian. He Now I think he's more sort of deeply religious. I do think there's some – Interesting questions about his background. I think I think he comes from a liberal family. I would actually like to read more about him, but I think if anybody, you know, writes a profile of him, they're going to get this exact same response.
1: it's just it's just the the level of certitude for Frumkin to say these are the only questions worth asking. No, I learned stuff from the Gabriel piece. I, I think it's also interesting to ask, whatever you think about the question of how he developed these beliefs or how he shifted them over time, his strategy is interesting to learn about. And this idea, that the only thing journalism is for is to point to the bad people and say they're bad, because otherwise readers will be bamboozled into believing the wrong things. Is again so condescending and exhibits a great deal of contempt, and I don't like it. Like we hate, we hate our listeners, but we're open about that.
0: You do, I like them. They're my only yeah. friends. Uh, That's not what you told me. To me, Rufo is a little bit of an Andy No figure, and that some of the stuff that he does I find absolutely despicable. But some of the stuff that he does. Like, can we talk about what he posted this week?
1: Yeah, he had an article in the City Journal called, uh, headlined Radical Gender Lessons for Young Children. Uh, I'll just read the top bit. Evanston Skokie School District 65 has adopted a radical gender curriculum that teaches pre-kindergarten through third grade students to celebrate the transgender flag, break the, quote, gender binary, end quote, established by white, quote, colonizers. I hate doing quote and end quote. An experiment with neopronouns such as Z, Zer, and Tree. I'm always a little bit wary about these curriculum outrage stories because it isn't always clear what's optional, what's actually part of the curriculum. I did email the whole school board last night just to be like, is this legit? Um, I didn't hear back. It, it appears to be legit. This appears to be a real curriculum. And uh, you did us the great service of, of taking a closer look at it, right?
0: Yeah. So Rufo links to a 270-page document, basically the guidelines. It's basically the curriculum. And I will say... There is a lot in here I would not want my kids taught beginning in, in kindergarten. He doesn't overstate um, a lot of what this is. A lot of this is absolute indoctrination. Let me read you a little bit. Okay, this is this is uh, not for kindergarten, but this is for grades two to four. Part of a lesson. These are the vocabulary vocabulary words. Assigned sex at birth, gender, gender identity, gender expression, cisgender, transgender, non binary, lesbian, gay, bisexual, queer, queer pronoun, pansexual, asexual. Some of those terms might be appropriate for older kids to learn, but I don't think that bisexuality, pansexuality, like kids haven't had sex ed yet.
1: Yeah, it's, I, I don't understand why. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Some
0: of this is just wrong, and I would, and I object to it the same way that I would object to schools teaching astrology. Like, let me read you a little bit from I think this is 3rd grade. Uh so this is part of the lesson. Even though we are all given a sex assigned at birth, we are not given our gender. We are the only ones who can feel what our gender is. Later over the next couple days, you will be hearing the phrase third gender. It is important to know this information. Within a Western and Christian ideological framework, individuals who identify as a third gender are often thought of as part of the LGBT community. This classification actually distorts the concept of a third gender and reflects a culture that historically... There's just... It, it's like repeating... This is for
1: se- This is for second this graders? This is for third graders. Uh, but it's also completely... Uh, the level of... It's inappropriate. Well, it's not just inappropriate, but there, there's... There's disagreement about what the concept yeah. gender is. When I like when I walk down the street as a male person, I'm gendered as male. My understanding of gender is not that it is an internal thing. I understand some activists are trying to change the meaning of the term, and they have every right to do that. But you can't just take third graders and be like, "Nope, this is what gender is now." I, I how how could a It's hard for me to imagine the parents who would be like, "Yep, this is a great way to approach this." And B, the level of just fucking tripping on a rake and, and as you know, as soon as conservatives like spread this, it is going to cause huge backlash. What, who is doing this? Why?
0: Okay. So here's the, this is from the same lesson plan. Third grade. Again, two spirit refers to a person who identifies as having both a masculine and feminine spirit and is used by some indigenous people to describe their gender orientation and, and or spiritual identity. When colonizers stole the land from the native indigenous people, they didn't understand the value of the two spirit. The term two spirit came from a fucking white anthropologist in the 90s. <laughs> this is like they they are just repeating shit that they read online. It's it's pseudoscience.
1: Every piece every instance of like pablum you'd find on like Glad's website, stuff that like I think the vast majority of like progressives don't actually believe in, you just have to regurgitate it all and feed it to kids. It it absolutely comes across as indoctrination. Now, I do not think that in the vast majority of cases this will cause specific harm I think I, it'll know, cause kids confusion that young, like yeah kids at that, that young can be like a little bit there's a developmental stage at which kids think if you like put on a girl shirt you become a girl I think by third grade they're out of that I think this is more like kindergarten and younger but like what what are you doing here what is the point of this you need you just there's disagreement about these issues you can't just yeah
0: I don't think that they think that there's disagreement I think that the people who are coming up crafting this curriculum just think that this is correct
1: 5 minutes ago the line on trans kids which i think is accurate is that there's some kids who ver- from a very young age are incredibly uncomfortable in their body. There is a subset of kids like this and you know i think some of them should transition although it can be complicated. It seems like recently it's turned toward the idea that we need to really teach kids that deep inside themselves there might be another person they need to discover. But no, trans, trans kids will will make it clear like that they're having deep distress about their sex. To this idea of like flooding the zone with all sorts of like gender identity pseudoscience, it it can't do any good. It's just going to create backlash. There are like anecdotal accounts of kids coming home and being like, mommy, I don't know if I'm a boy or a girl. I haven't like verified them. Would that be surprising? You tell us, a first grader, uh, that it's just not, it's not good and it's not scientific and it's not developmentally appropriate.
0: Yeah. And you you said that we weren't sure if this was if this was required. And I, frankly, I don't think that this should be optional. I don't think that they should be teaching this to kids because it is incorrect. They are teaching kids things that are not just debatable, but I think actually incorrect. They're giving them bad information. And so when Rufo elevates this stuff, I do see the value in it. But unfortunately, all of Rufo's activism is leading to these bills that are written really, really poorly. Now, this stuff, when I was reading through these documents, I was sort of, you know, I've spoken against the Florida's don't say gay bill or whatever you, you want to call it for various reasons. Do I think it would be appropriate for a school board or a legislator to say, you cannot teach these, like this shit that's in this 270 77 page document. I'm going to take a big X and I'm going to strike out everything that you can't teach kids. I don't actually have a problem with that if it was super specific,
1: super specific, which none of these, none bills of these bills are. are.
0: Yeah. So. While a lot of Rufo's tactics I find really troubling, I think he can be very dishonest about stuff, and I think that a lot of this is about him and his own political ambitions, he still is... Bringing to light this curriculum that, frankly, I do think parents should know about because it's batshit fucking crazy. And just to do a gut check here, I, yesterday I, I sent the, I sent Rufo's piece and some screenshots of the curriculum just to a bunch of people I know who have kids. All of them good liberals, none of them transphobic, none of them homophobic, and all of them were like, no, this should not be taught to children. They're too young for these concepts.
1: Yeah, I don't think there's, I, I I think very few people would disagree with that. John Shait just posted something at New York Magazine, uh, basically arguing that folks like Rufo are bad actors, but when they point out genuinely crazy stuff in the DEI space, you got to call it out. You got to acknowledge, yep, that's crazy. And, and the refusal to do so doesn't help anyone because it just spurs further backlash. So yeah.
0: It would be awesome if normal education reporters were talking about these things, but they're not. And so we've got Rufo.
1: Yeah. Um, all right. Anything else on on Rufo or teaching little kids that gender is a mystical force inside your heart? Well, I think that's it. All right. Should we do housekeeping? Let's do it. We're a podcast. You can go to blockchainport.org learn more about us. We are closing the merch store. At the end of the month, uh, for logistical reasons, it'll be back someday. But for now, if you want merch, your last chance. Um, If you go to blockchainported.org, you can also get up to three extra episodes of this podcast a month for $5 and up a month. Incredible deal. Incredible content deal. What was our last? Our last Primo episode was really fun. What was it about, though? I have no memory of it. Elon Musk. Oh, yes. It was about the reactions to Elon Musk. So blockchainported.org to get that. Uh, blockedandreported.reddit.com for our subreddit. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts only if you like us. If you don't like us, get out of here. But if you like us, do that. Because I think the number of ratings have trailed off and it really helps our visibility. Uh, We have like two point three thousand, I think. Let's get up uh, a three or 4,000. What other housekeeping things am I forgetting? We're going to Denver. We're going to Denver. Much like who are famous people associated with John Denver. John Denver. John Elway. So yeah, we'll be at Heterodox Academy Conference 2022 in Denver this June, recording a live podcast episode. For those who haven't heard of it, Heterodox Academy does a lot of work in the higher education space to increase viewpoint diversity, open inquiry, and constructive disagreement on campuses. If you'd like to attend our live show, you can register for the conference at hxaconference.org. They have some great speakers lined up, including Jonathan Haidt, John McWhorter, Glenn Lowry, and other leading thinkers in the higher ed space. We're very excited to be doing a live show there on June 12th, so come see us. HXAConference.org, BarPod listeners get $25 off the registration fee by entering the code BARPOD. Thank you to Heterodox Academy for hosting us. We will see you there, all of you. See you there. Okay. So Katie, we're now going to talk about a pretty amazing hoax involving libs of TikTok.
0: Yes. So this week, Mashable, unfortunately it was not us, it was Mashable, broke the story that libs of TikTok had been had and was in fact the victim of a hoax. And today, right here on this podcast, we have an exclusive, exclusive with the hoaxer himself. Please introduce yourself.
2: Hi, yeah. So my name is Tracing Woodgrains. I don't know if the people around here would be familiar with me or anything.
0: Trace, you bad, (laughs) bad jackal. You
1: naughty jackal. I know,
2: I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
0: Explain yourself. What the hell did you do?
1: Well, we should say Trace is our, is our, what's his title? Senior furry? Podcast.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Trace is our... um, I guess assistant producer, and he does some really amazing research work for him. And he beat out a very talented field for that gig. So we couldn't really do the podcast without him. And on the side, he does shit like what he just did. Tell us what you did. Yeah. So I uh,
2: got with a few friends and we got curious to see, you know, how easy is it to spread this sort of misinformation among um, the uh, volatile online cultural ecosystem? And so we sent a few emails, uh, pulled a few documents together, and uh, got Libs of TikTok and uh, a few others to publish a completely fabricated story.
1: And the reason uh, Libs of TikTok was probably a good place to target is we have some examples uh, of them publishing stuff that didn't seem to be true, one of which was when they did like a short video of what looked like a pee pad and announced that a school district in, I think, Texas Was letting kids identify as animals and use a litter box, even though there was no litter box in the video. Even though this didn't seem to happen, according to I, I emailed the district; they had no idea what I was talking about. Your hoax was along those same lines, right? Plus, it was just number one. Who cares? Yeah, exactly. But but yeah. So Trace, this new this new hoax was along similar lines, right? So you
2: know, I saw that pop up on my feed. Saw that she had uh, fairly credulously published what was. A pretty nonsensical story about furries in schools, and um, I was hanging out with a few of my furry friends in Discord, as one does, as is a perfectly normal hobby. I'm I'm sure. And anyway, wait, are, are
0: these are these actual furries, or are these like internet pranksters, or is this a, like really a furry a furry Discord?
2: Oh, it's genuinely a furry Discord. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> the idea. In fact, it was proposed by a guy who goes by some gay furry. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh SGF? yeah S S G F stands for some gay furry
1: and, and we should say because most of our listeners are 80, 80 or older discord is basically just a chat room right 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 so it's
2: just a chat room uh where you shoot the ball with friends and uh this guy was just tossing out an idea like wouldn't it be funny if this happened and then it spun up into something a little more serious.
1: So, so what you sent us, we're, we're going to do uh, include, when we publish this, a post where you lay out the whole thing. But you guys literally, was it you or your friend who literally created documents to make it look like a school had like a furry exercise?
2: Yeah, yes. So uh, the joke was that there would be you know, a furry uh, word search, uh, create your own persona worksheet, uh, things that looked plausibly vaguely like they could be school assignments and uh one of my friends in there uh who goes by corvus and who is a really exceptionally interesting character for all sorts of reasons um i'll have to tell you guys more at some point. crows generally are most most of them sexual uh actually no he's uh he is very against that sort of thing and uh against sex uh oh definitely yeah (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh God, so we've got an asexual asexual furry here
1: you have some gay furry who is deeply sexual you have corvus who hates sex and then you have you in the middle it sounds like an amazing crew
2: you're the centrist
1: <laughs> sexual centrist <laughs> i'm i'm a centrist
2: in many things um but but yeah so corvus uh has pulled a lot of this sort of prank before a uh, few people who are extremely online will have noticed the subreddit cringetopia had uh really weird moment this week where for a day or so it was all furry stuff all the time uh that was corpses doing things like that uh he's just been involved in this sort of prank fairly regularly over the years and having him in there you know i couldn't resist what if we worked on something like that so i prodded him a little bit he made the worksheets uh or he made two of the worksheets i made the third one and we just rolled from there
1: can you read a few sentences from one of the worksheets? One of the
2: worksheets was a design your fursona worksheet. And so it said things like, what would your fursona be like? Think about what your favorite animal is. What would they look like? Uh, and then it had, you know, checkboxes for like, my persona is male, female, or non-binary. Then there was another worksheet that mostly looked benign, like this culture month, you know, we're going to spend parts of this month learning about all these different cultures. And then in the second week of April... Students will learn about youth subcultures from goths to furries and many more, joining activities to explore each subculture. Because, of course, you want the second graders learning about all the subcultures <laughs> that they're surrounded by. Uh, that, that's what you do in second grade.
0: Identity is very important. Um, and
2: the third one was a word search where uh, we stuck words like uh, Zootopia and Fluffy and Robin Hood together with words like uh, Husky and Moz and uh, more inside jokes that... People in the furry uh, fandom would understand, but others would be like, "Okay, I'm not sure what this is, but it, it looks plausible.
0: Can you explain some of those inside references so so like Moz, what is that
2: Oh dear so <laughs> um, so yeah, Maz and musky were two of the words that we put in that would really tip it off to uh, any anyone watching that either it didn't happen or it shouldn't have happened because uh, both of those are fairly fetishy references that um, like, ma's... Oh, gosh, I don't know if I... Dude, just tell, tell people,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> Do you need an urban dictionary, this for you?
2: All right. Uh, no, no, I'm fine. So, a ma is an animal's mouth. Um <laughs> <Jesus> fucking And... <laughs> Can I quit? Am I allowed to quit the podcast? <laughs> HR is
0: listening to this right now.
2: I think, you know, the whole podcast might just quit the podcast. During <laughs> okay, the keep
0: going. An animal's mouth. Yeah.
2: And so, um, one of the... Uh, memes within the furry community is, you know, are paws or ma's better? Like, what what do you prefer? And I, uh, yeah, it, that's a whole thing. And then uh, at one point, Netflix tweeted out this uh, advertisement for the anime Beastars, where it was like, what do you prefer, uh, the smooth deer or the musky husky? Uh, referencing the characters <laughs> in it. <laughs> and, definitely not sexual. No, no, definitely not sexual at all. And yeah, so it was it was a whole thing. Um, so we just stuck some of those in there alongside more innocuous things that meant that when it spread among, uh, places that were more familiar with all of that, they looked at it and they were like, yeah, okay, this is nonsense, but, uh, libs of TikTok wasn't up on her furry lore.
1: My only observation, knowing nothing about this, was that when I saw how much effort you guys had put into this, my first impulse was to call the police and just have you guys arrested. It just didn't seem normal. But I I didn't know if I should be like alarmed or amazed, but these really looked like school exercises. You guys really gave it your all. In all
2: honesty, it took about five minutes to pull them together. It did not take a lot of time.
0: Part of the reason it looks so real is that in the photo that Libs of TikTok posted, the worksheets looked like they came out of a kid's backpack, like they're sort of crumpled and there's some scribbling on them.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was a guy in the group called, uh, who likes to, uh, would like to be referred to as an unknown brony. Oh, you mean? Um, you and yes, uh, uh, right, right. <laughs> and yes, uh, My Little Pony and everything is involved also, unfortunately. Um <laughs> and yeah so he was like yeah i printed them out uh what if i add a little more crinkles maybe some juice stains or whatever and he uh he really got into the weathering and was like yeah this, this looks nice
0: okay so what happened how did you pitch this to libs of tiktok
2: right so what we did is we created this whole fake persona we created a man called charles sisk and we had him send her an email that contained a screenshot of a claimed facebook post and then, uh, some of the pictures in there alongside it and told her basically that his wife's friend was in uh, this Facebook group, had her daughter come home from school, her second grade daughter, and found this horrifying stuff, uh, that they had been given. <laughs> 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 she was like,
1: mommy, am I a girl <laughs> right, or a Right, homie?
2: exactly. And so, uh, our, our backstory was that this man, Charles, was deeply outraged about it. That uh, his friend would have preferred to just handle it between her and the school, handle it privately, keep it low-key, but that he really felt like other parents should know, and that uh, something seriously wrong was going on. And so we went back and forth a few uh, for a few emails with it, where we thought that um, we thought that if she had done any basic due diligence, it would have completely fallen apart. And so as soon as she started asking questions, Panic set in. Everyone was just saying, "Oh, oh no, it's done. There's no chance." Aboard, aboard. Just ghoster. <laughs> just, just stop saying anything. <laughs> um, so every question she asks, she's like, "What district is it?" in we're like, "Shoot, we don't, we don't know school districts in there." But she's like feeding us the Austin Independent School District, and so we say, "Yeah, okay, of sure, course it's Austin. Sure, it's in that district.
1: Yeah, yeah." Wait, what do you mean? What do you mean feeding you the Austin
2: Independent? <laughs> so district? we had. The Facebook group that we had uh, prepared it for was Moms of Austin, and uh, we chose we chose Austin because it was a liberal city in a red state that we felt like people would expect that sort of thing from and be outraged at that, that sort of thing mm-hmm. from. Like if it's in Portland, if it's in Portland, who cares, mm-hmm. you know? And so uh, when we sent that, immediately she was like, "Oh, was this in the Austin Independent School District?" Because she's had kind of an ongoing feud at that district. I, I later learned, but at the time we were just like, yeah, okay, that's, that's a school district. Yes, it was in that district. And then, you know, she started to ask, well, you know, can I have the link to verify the group? And we're looking around and we're like, this, this group does not exist. This group has never existed. We have no way to possibly verify it. But maybe if we say that it's a hidden group, uh, that, you know, we don't have access to and, we could talk and see if they'll give you access to but they're pr- fairly private you know maybe it'll work and uh it 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 did work she was like okay you know that checks out um
1: okay so she she didn't uh do a thorough fact check on this
2: she did not
0: and so trace in these e- this email correspondence with you guys she mentions something about Ken Paxton. Can you uh, explain that? Yeah.
2: So in the emails back and forth, uh, right after she asks us one of the questions where we're like, oh shoot, she's trying to verify stuff, panic. Uh, she sends another email and she's like, by the way, I have a line of communication with the attorney general's office in Texas. That's how we took action against uh Pride Week thing that uh, the school is doing. So, you know, if you give me the school name, I won't post it publicly, but I can send it to him and we can take action here. And, you know, she's just looking for information and talking about the lines of communication she has with these state officials so that she can get schools investigated and uh, get things in them shut down.
0: So Libs of TikTok. Yeah. So there's been a lot of discussion about whether or not Libs of TikTok is actually influential. I think if she actually does have a line of communication to the Attorney General of Texas's office, I think we could say that she is
2: right—a line of communication well, that she that she's done things with that she is yeah. used yeah. to shut will, things down with.
1: I will say there's a big difference here between if she would had a meeting, like even a Zoom meeting, versus maybe she sends stuff to a Paxton staffer who rolls his eyes and gives her a courtesy response. So we don't we don't we don't have any clear evidence on this, right? Uh, right. So we
2: know that she said that's how they got something else taken care of with the district. Okay. So it sounds like more than a courtesy response. But okay. she also could have just been talking up her involvement to an extent. And yeah, it's hard to say specifically.
0: Yeah, Jesse, I'm looking at the email that she sent back to the group right now. And she says, hey, by the way, I have a line of communication with Ken Paxton. That's how we got them to take action against Austin ISD Pride Week. So this is about... uh Austin schools had a Pride Week, and Ken Paxton, the Texas Attorney General, um, said it was illegal. So I think that's
1: what she's probably on. What on what basis?
0: Uh, it was breaking state law because it constituted sex education.
1: Uh, oh, oh, separate, separate issue. Paxton sort of hat we know that he um, he likes to stretch the law to accomplish what he wants to accomplish, like with the whole anyway, separate issue, but yeah.
0: Yeah, and the uh, the Austin Independent School District basically ignored him anyway. So um, I think that's what she's talking about when uh, she says she has a line, assuming that it's true. Okay, so then so you send these emails to her, you have this correspondence, and then a couple weeks by, and then this week, what happened?
2: Right. So we had pretty much given up on having her post it because she said, "Oh, I'll post it tomorrow," and then went dark for a couple of weeks, and we didn't hear anything. We didn't really want to push more because we felt like we had already been pushing our luck. So we. uh we did want to see like how outraged people would respond to these worksheets that, you know, we had, we had worked hard on, we had had fun with these worksheets. So we spread them across a couple of like cringe subreddits or here's something awful thing. Uh, and most of them called it out as a hoax, but a couple of them were really credulous. Like the political compass memes subreddit uh, just completely mm-hmm. ate it up and were like, oh, this is horrifying. This is, worse are staying, uh, things like that. But anyway, so we got a fairly muted reaction relative to what we felt like we would have gotten with Libs of TikTok there. And then we moved on and forgot about it. Uh, libs of TikTok had this massive rise in attention on Taylor Lorenz doxes her. Uh, and then very considerately, right after she becomes the subject on everyone's minds, she posts our hoax. And we just flip out. We're like, all hands on deck. Drop everything. This is happening. <laughs> we were shocked.
1: Will you uh, read us a tweet?
2: Yeah. So we hopped on and we saw a second grade teacher in Austin Independent School District allegedly gave students worksheets on furries. These included a furry word tr- search and an activity on designing your own furry persona. And it got <laughs> <laughs> uh, it got almost thirteen thousand likes, seven hundred quote tweets, thirty seven hundred retweet retweets, like fairly
1: viral. The- the responses are great. I'm seeing, one is, I'm really hoping it's fake. If it's real, then it tells me that the other staff members don't approve of teacher material and just let them do as they please. Someone else replies, it's not fake. Austin has all kinds of shit going on.
0: <laughs> it does. Austin is weird. And Trace, so who reposted this?
2: Yeah, so it got shared fairly broadly. Um, One of the most amusing ones, I thought, was James Lindsay, who... Himself got famous for hoaxing uh, these crazy woke left wing ideologues. Uh, ended up immediately credulous, Leary posting this and basically saying, you know, some furries have approached me about disappointment with how the woke have been giving furries a bad name. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> Are furries woke? I would think so.
2: Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Very woke.
0: So, James, why do you think James believed
2: this? Um, because it came from a right-wing source instead of a left-wing source.
0: Yeah, it it confirmed his priors.
2: Right, like, that's basically, I think, the start and the end of it was that it was along the lines of the stuff he talks about. It's the sort of thing he wants to believe, so he just immediately jumped on it.
1: Yeah, it's weird that they, they want to believe that kids are being, like, violated and perverted. It's like a weird kind of thing to want to be the case, but it would help their movement, I think.
2: Right. I think it sort of mirrors the sort of horrifying trend you see after, uh, say, mass shootings sometimes, where you see online culture war crowds sort of waiting on tenterhooks to see, is it one of the guys in support of our movement or against our movement for it? Uh, Yeah, and it's... A human impulse, but it is a fairly horrifying Or
0: one. when there's a hate crime and you, like, I think people, a lot of people wanted Jesse Smollett to be a victim, not because they wanted him to be injured, but because it proved something that they already believed.
2: Right. You want wrongs that confirm your view of society so that you can continue to rail against those wrongs with more evidence to back them.
0: This does confirm my prior
2: that furries are degenerates. I mean, that's fairly true.
0: So James Lindsay retweeted it, and how, uh, who, else, who else elevated this story?
2: Yeah, so Matt Walsh was a big one. He ended up having a big podcast episode where towards the end he talked about how uh, bestiality culture is coming into schools using Hell this yeah. as evidence.
0: <laughs> Let's drop that audio here.
1: Just yesterday, Libs of TikTok published images of a class assignment given to second graders in Austin where they were told to make their own furry persona. This was all a part of culture month at the school, a month where the kids learn about different cultures, you know, like Japanese culture and um, Egyptian culture and bestiality culture. Because that's what this is, after all. People who sexually fantasize about animals, even fictional animals, are into bestiality. That's what that is. We've sped right past yet another stop on the slippery slope that the left told us would never come.
2: Yeah, so as you can see, it's a very serious case where... This tweet from Libs of TikTok proves that schools are adamant about instilling bestiality culture in young, impressionable students, which I I think personally is very serious.
0: Trace, what have you done? Okay, so we should talk about the ethics about this, because on the one hand, it is objectively hilarious, and you did expose Libs of TikTok for being... Credulous when she shouldn't be and gullible, which I think should have been obvious to anybody who has, for instance, saw the tweet about the puppy or the pee pads or the litter box. She clearly also has a blind spot when it comes to furries. Although, don't we all? And
1: don't you, maybe she's a furry that would explain a lot. <laughs> like, deep down, she, if,
0: yeah. You know, Trace is a is an ex Mormon furry, so and she's an Orthodox furry, and that works. I like this. So but let's talk about the ethics of this. Clearly, this is a this is an ethical question. Walk us through that. What did you think about this? You are literally spreading fake news. How did you feel about that?
2: Yeah, so I think there are a few really clear lines you do not want to cross with something like that. So for example, we were fairly adamant, we don't want to involve any specific school in this. You start narrowing it down to a specific school, you get uh, very specific low level targets. That people would go and harass, so forth. We wanted to avoid that. And then also, we wanted to be sure that if it went anywhere, we would be prepared to very clearly lay out exactly what was done and why. With the understanding that if this sort of thing is this easy to do, it's reasonable to expect that it happens at a fairly regular clip uh, from malicious actors looking to exploit one thing or another. And having an understanding of exactly what it looks like mechanically, um, and at least being able to spread that sufficient to uh, have it reach anyone who may have initially believed in the fake story, we believed would make up for uh, the potential risk of having that fake story spread in the first place. So our thought essentially was a credibility tax on people who are spreading this sort of low effort outrage bait without verifying.
0: A credibility tax. I like that. I'm very surprised that she hasn't deleted the tweet yet. So Mashable broke this story. Unfortunately, we wanted to break it, but Mashable uh, beat us to it uh, and did a, a good job, I thought, detailing exactly what they figured happened. Did anybody from the group talk to Mashable or did this guy just sort of figure it out on his own?
2: No. So from our Reddit posts, they were made from one of Corvus's recognizable accounts. And so the online community, our drama, that uh this whole weird little discord that I'm in originated from um was tracking, oh, okay, so this is one of our people doing something. So they hopped on it uh from the Reddit things. This is back when we thought that it was over and lives of TikTok wasn't doing anything with it. And then from there, there were enough breadcrumbs left in some of the replies that I guess he looked around, he noticed, oh, here's this thread detailing this. And he went there. But but no, no one talked to him. He didn't talk to anyone specifically.
0: And the reporter, we should say, is uh, his name is Matt Binder. So he publishes this story just a day after the hoax. So this didn't have time to spread that far, probably, fortunately and unfortunately?
2: It didn't. Although immediately after he published it, the Daily Caller published their own credulous uh, accounting of it based on the <laughs> TikToks reporting. Uh, and then after his story went out detailing everything, they just doubled down. And, and James Lindsay retweeted this doubling down, too, where they're like, just because he talked to the district, like, districts lie about things completely alighting that it had been detailed who and how had originated it, and that it was definitely fake. They were just drilling into it and saying, no, no, we're, we're confident in our position here. Um, just baffling.
0: Yeah, this Daily Caller piece, this is by someone named Christy Clark, uh, the education reporter at the Daily Caller. I wonder how many school board meetings she goes to. Um, Texas second graders reportedly taught about furries and other youth subcultures. There's no – it's still up. This is really surprising. That's insane. That's
1: fucking insane. Is it? Is it surprising?
0: I mean, no. There sh- but this. when you go to this page, there should just be a note that says, we got
1: got. We're um, fucking idiots. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So so the reporter, Trace, she doubled down as well on Twitter. Will you tell us what she said?
2: Right. So after the uh, article detailing the origins of the hoax came out, she uh, tweets it and says, This is one of the most laughable articles I've seen. School denies that this is part of their district curriculum. Therefore, libs of TikTok is a liar. Study public EDU for 0.2 seconds and you'd know that teachers can create lessons separate from curriculum. Clown emoji. And then she like, puts at the end of her article this paragraph of pseudo-correction that doesn't even get the correction right, um, attributes it to a Reddit thread, and just says uh, one report claims that uh, the alleged curriculum came from a Reddit thread that purposely creates fake content to upset parents and activists. The trolling posts come as concerned parents are mobilizing across the country to combat similar content from being taught to impressionable children. So it barely provides any sort of hint that maybe this whole thing might be fabricated and says, you know, if it's fabricated, it's just because this group wants to upset parents. Um,
0: Okay. So considering that this is still up, the tweet is still up, uh, the of TikTok tweet, Matt Walsh's dumb video blog about this is still up. These people haven't corrected themselves. Do you still think that the correction uh was more widespread than the people who are going to just get the the misinformation
2: itself i think that the corrections spread so far has been fairly comparable to that uh, original misinformation and i think even so people um double down to an extent but also clamp down on it also start realizing okay we're not going to keep amplifying this further uh, we're going to start investigating. We're going to start excusing it by saying, even if it was false, it's the sort of thing our enemies would have done. So we're we're sort of right anyway. And that, that was mm-hmm. Matt Walsh's response, essentially. It's
0: not happening there, but it's happening somewhere.
2: Right. He was like, "It. the left are such degenerate perverts that this is believable anyway, was the line that he took.
0: What was Libs of TikTok's, what was her own response to this?
2: Yeah, so her own response so far has been in a uh, tweet response to someone else uh, examining the debunking and she says, The person who sent it said it was personal. I asked tons of questions as I always do. There were no red flags. Working with a journalist to get to the bottom of it. <laughs> if the left did it for a setup, it just shows badly on them. The left. So desperate to catch me because I'm too effective.
1: That's you, Trace. The whole the left. left. The whole left got together.
2: Right, which is, it, it's good for my credentials because uh, the left is usually fairly suspicious of me. So now I can wave this and say look I am in fact the left.
1: I'm
0: looking at her respon or I'm looking at the responses to her tweet and it's just furry after furry <laughs> after furry.
1: <laughs> that's the true that's the true left. That is the
2: democratic base. Oh probably. Yeah, furries furries love getting attention. So.
0: And so I assume that the Austin Independent School District did get
2: some hate for this. Unfortunately yes and uh, that's the part that we did feel bad about. When she tagged their Twitter account in, a bunch of people went to their Twitter and started saying, how could you groomers be providing this to second graders? Or uh, went to their Facebook, a few of them. So so yes, there were definitely some people who took it upon themselves to call the Austin School District for ta- to task over it.
0: Yeah, that's where the hoax sort of loses me as much as I like it, because if you had just said the state of Texas... You're sort of guaranteeing that somebody's gonna have to deal with this if it's if you name any sort of school district. So as much as I appreciate what you did and I think it's very funny, um, bad bad jackal. Bad jackal. Yeah.
2: I, I, I do uh feel bad about that that part came into put it. Put yourself
1: put yourself in your crate for six hours.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately, I do think it is Libs of TikTok's responsibility to verify that the people she's sending harassment after um deserve it first of all did anything at all (laughs) but but in reality she is calling for direct harassment of just about not every individual she retweets but uh she's very eager to uh send people after districts and schools she's bragged for example about a school uh taking its twitter account private after they uh after she publicized something of theirs so forth and i i think if she has that sense of vigilante justice, it is very much her responsibility to, uh, do due diligence when she's knowing that people will go after them. But, but yes, I do think it was a mistake to tie a district in.
0: I I hope that this makes her a little bit less credulous and a little more skeptical of the tips that she gets. And I'm sure she is getting a lot of tips right now. Um so maybe if you have made her a better reporter, uh you or something of a the libs of TikTok public editor.
2: <laughs> I I I would hope that. Uh because in all honesty like she really does uh bring to light some things that are uh pretty unsettling a lot of times. Like it's not like I look at every single thing she puts forward and I'm like, oh yeah, I, I, 100% fully support every single one of these. Um, there, it, there is some genuine value to publicizing, hey, um, there are some inappropriate things that sometimes go on. And I think if she raised her standards and uh, took things, uh, more seriously and aimed to be less of an outrage bait, Account and more uh more of a thoughtful informer, I think there are some good things she could do, and so if she looks at this and says, "Yeah, I should raise my standards and I should be more careful about these things and be uh less uh mm, less hyperbolic and more diligent fact checking, I don't expect that to happen, but you know I would like it
0: yeah i I expect her to go more sort of the James Lindsay route and the more famous she gets the crazier she gets
2: yeah unfortunately yes
0: jesse what do you think about this hoax should we fire him
1: um i think we're gonna let him off with um like i said six hours in the crate um no treats for you not gonna no dog park for the next three days no i mean i i I think hoaxes like this actually do serve a valuable purpose it's hard for there not to be collateral damage but i think to see how the sausage is made and just how sloppy this truly shitty Twitter account is, is very valuable. Uh, it is incredibly disturbing. It shouldn't be surprising, but it is a little uh, surprising that she's doubling down, that the Daily Caller, which, you know, they do some bad stuff, but I would think they would not want to continue to circulate something they know to be false. Um, but I'm glad these folks are being exposed for what they are. All right. I guess you can get out of your crate. <laughs> no, six hours, I said. <laughs> Where where can people find your uh, other online presences?
2: As of recently, I've decided it's probably best to consolidate all my stuff in one location. So um, I'm going to be publishing most of my stuff on tracingwoodgrains.substack.com uh, in the near future. Uh, but yeah, my work so far has been scattered pretty far online. You can also follow me at Trace Woodgrains on Twitter, and that's about it.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and for all of the good work you do for us. Your weird hobby uh, is our benefit.
1: Always a pleasure. Make sure everyone make sure to check out the uh, post we'll be releasing with this episode where Trace lays out exactly how he pulled this prank. Uh, But thank you again, Trace. And uh, get back to work. Oh, Oh, dear. (laughs) Don't don't encourage him. Don't encourage her. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Trace. Thank you, you, Trace. (gasps) Thank Trace.
2: Uh, Thank you.
0: He should have told us first. Actually, I'm glad he didn't tell us before he did it. And then we might have
1: some journalistic complication
0: there. To tell
1: on him. It was a real, uh... Somehow prevent it from of, happening. Don't ask, don't tell. Uh, plausible denied. Better better to ask <laughs> forgiveness than permission. I did withhold forgiveness, but that's okay. So we're <laughs> uh Thank you, as always, to Trace, not only for that, but for his production help. This has been Blocked and Reported. I'm Jesse Single, and remember... While furries have not taken over the Austin school system, they have taken over the Pentagon.
0: And I'm Katie Herzog, and also remember, the Christopher Rufo story will inevitably end when his kid comes out as tree.